Once again, pray with me. Father, I ask that you would anoint me to preach the word of God to your people. And Father, I pray that you would anoint their ears to hear and receive what you have today. And I ask it in your precious name. Amen. As you know, I began two weeks ago uh, teaching you. This is the third Sunday of the month. And I felt that we had confirmation from three different sources that I was to uh, teach the church on prayer. Today is the third installment in that series. And the title of today's message is Prayer and the Power of Two. Prayer and the Power of Two. Read along with me, please. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The word agree in verse 19, if you don't mind marking in your Bibles, I want you to mark there. And next to it, just listen to the explanation in Greek, what that Greek word means. It's the Greek word sumphoniho, sumphoniho. And it means, it's a sound, it's the word that we get symphony from. Everybody say symphony. It means to be in accord or to be in harmony. It means to agree together are to be in total agreement. Jesus describes here what the power of agreement can do for the church. And I want to tell you, no study on prayer would be complete without a teaching on this subject. The early church knew that being in agreement was God's plan. And the church was given the Holy Spirit because they became one. We don't uh, have time to go there today and study all of it, but if you will go home and read the first and second chapter of the book of Acts, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was given, Scripture clearly says that First of all, it took the agreement, them to be in agreement to receive. And it said that they would receive power when they had received the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost was the day that the church was born. I don't know if any of you have ever heard that before, but if you want to know when the church started, it started on the day of Pentecost after the ascension of Jesus Christ. And 
Jesus said that it was necessary for him to go back to heaven to be with his Father so that he could send the Holy Spirit who would be our comforter and our guide, who would walk along beside us, uh, in the Greek, our paraclete, and that we uh, would benefit greatly because when he came to us, he would bring with him power. Everybody say power. How many of you here know that power is exciting? Amen? It is. It, it, it's exciting. The word power uh, is used quite frequently in society today. Business people use it all the time. We don't simply dress anymore. We power dress now, right? How many business people have heard that before? You know. In other words, we must choose the right clothes to make the right statement. I'm a little old-fashioned. I believe that we should dress up to come to church. I believe when a pastor is in the pulpit, he should be dressed like a pastor ought to dress. That's my personal belief. Many do not believe that anymore. Many come and, uh, you know, they, they have their golf shoes on and they're ready to go golfing after church, you know. Understand that I, I think that there are secrets in Scripture for our success. Uh, by the way, people don't just hold business meetings anymore. They hold power meetings. All of you guys that are involved, you, you should uh, have heard every bit of this. Power is a central theme in our culture. America, perhaps more than any other place else, is attracted to power. I want you to look at the sports phenomenon that's going on in our nation right now. How many of you know we're sports crazy? Well, Pastor Ryan, you're a sports uh, fan. I sure am. People, though, today, I watch it on TV. I won't go pay hundreds of dollars to get a front row seat. I just, you know. Just I, I got better things to do with my money. But people will pay hundreds and some, even thousands of dollars, and they will travel far distances to see powerful athletes play sports. Somebody say amen. And this goes all the way down into our college ranks. These athletes are supposedly not paid, but they're given scholarships in the best universities in the world so that they can go and play sports for these universities and this education is free, not that it does a lot of them any good. But understand that uh, this is a, a part of our society. And, and on the other hand, though, I, I just have to mention this, uh, some of these same people will complain about having to drive 10 miles to church. Amen? 
Or, boy, that preacher sure takes up a lot of offerings there. Come on. In the New Testament, and I believe I can prove this with Scripture, people were attracted to the church by its power. How many are listening? And I believe that God is saying to you and me today that it's time for that to happen once again. The churches in the New Testament were either in revival or riot or both at the same time. Are you listening to me? Something was always happening at church. And if someone came to church and went to sleep, they woke them up. And if they didn't, God did. I'll give you an instance. There was a man that came to hear Paul preach, and after he preached about six hours, the guy, oh yeah, he preached that long. He fell asleep, and he fell off the roof and broke his neck. And Paul had to go lay hands on him and pray for him so he'd be healed. How many are listening to me now? You, know, you guys thought you had it bad here. <laughs> Ministers were healing the sick. They were casting out demons. They were worshiping and praising God in spirit and in truth. Meaning that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were in total cooperation with the direction that the church was going. That's how we worship God in spirit and in truth. How many of you know that Jesus is the truth? Right? Right. And how many of you know he sent the Holy Spirit? So this is what we need, and we need to understand this. Many Christians at this time were killed for their beliefs. They were burned at the stake. They were thrown uh, to the lions in the arena. They were locked up in dungeons. And in fact, they even had to take the church underground. If you will go to Rome to this day, you will find catacombs. And you can go into those catacombs, and that's where they held church services, hiding from the authorities. Are you with me? Come on. Why? Because they were not going to let anything stop them from coming together in one mind and in one accord and worshiping God and fulfilling God's purpose in their life for their life. They had the power, by the way, to affect the world around them. If you will let me, I'll just say this. The church was the main attraction at this time. It wasn't like it is today. When people were converted back then and came to the Lord Jesus Christ, nobody had to call them on the telephone and remind them that we have services on Sunday. 
or Wednesday. Nobody had to send them little cards and tell them, oh, you were missed. Are you listening to me? Wave at me. They didn't need the pastor stroking them, to use Don Fur's uh, word. (laughs) They went because they wanted to go. Somebody say amen. And believe me, I'll tell you this for a certainty. No one was going around bored. By the way, how many of you in here know that boredom is a choice? Amen? We choose to be bored. What we need to understand and we need to know that it is God's will for the New Testament church, you and me, to have power. Look at someone and say, God intends for you to live a life of power. What kind of power, Pastor Ron? Supernatural, Pentecostal, healing, delivering power. Just like Scripture said. The power necessary to pull down the strongholds of the enemy. The power to break the chains of misery off of people. The power to convert. The power to conquer. The power to preach the word of God so that uh, they would receive conviction for sin. The power to change people's lives. See, church is not supposed to be just a feel-good experience. When you come to church, you are supposed to come and have an encounter with Almighty God. And His word sometimes will, how many are listening to me, wound you. It is sharper and powerful than any two-edged sword, and it pierces asunder between the soul and the spirit. Are you listening to me? Is this important, Pastor Ron? You better believe that it's important. God wants this church to have the power to change people's lives. And people, you are the church. In fact, my prayer for this church is send the power. My my prayer for this church right now is that, that God would be glorified through this congregation. Just like he was in the first century churches. Somebody say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 20, Paul said this, for the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. How many of you know it's easy to talk a good game? How many are listening? But if you're not walking the walk, talking the talk is not going to get it done. 
God's present reign in Christ through the lives of the church is backed up by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul was saying. And we need to understand this. David, the psalmist, said power belongs to the Lord. Amen? Psalm 62, 11. And then in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus said, All authority, and if you'll look the word up in Greek, it means power, is given to me in heaven and in earth. And you know what? In that same passage of scripture, he commanded us to take that power that he was going to give us and to go out and to make disciples everywhere. Everybody say disciples. Say it again. It didn't say converts. It said disciples. Right? And so understand and know what I'm talking about today. In Luke chapter 10 verse 19, Jesus said, I give unto you power over all the works of the enemy. Over what? Over what? Do we have power over the enemy? If we are walking with Christ and, uh, and, and performing the will of God, we absolutely have power. How many of you know there's power in the Word of God? Everybody lift your Bible up. Say, this is the Word of God. There is no contradictions in it. And every word of it is true, regardless of what the world says. How many really believe that? I'll tell you today, I wouldn't be a minister one more minute if I didn't believe that. I don't know what ministers are doing today. There's many of them that are in the pulpits, and according to the latest statistics, more ministers now no longer believe that the Bible is the word of God that it is inerrant, and that it is, uh, uh, is absolutely true. Many of them now teach and believe that it was written by men. The Bible tells us that every word was given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for correction, for reproof, and for instruction. It was given by whom? The apostles who God used to write the New Testament were just instruments in his hand. But the words that are here are his. And we need to understand that and we need to accept that. There is power in the word. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in the blood of Jesus. Are you listening to me today? This is a very basic script, uh, teaching today. It's the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. Amen? Salvation and eternal life, as Nick said this morning, is a free gift from God. Everybody say free gift. You couldn't buy it. You couldn't do anything about your sins. 
you had to receive God's free gift. And we should be thankful for that. Somebody say amen. And then Jesus said, when you come to me and you're washed clean and made whiter than snow in the eyes of God, then he said, you can use my name. And that's why we say in Jesus' name. After every prayer we pray, we should say in Jesus' name. It's not just some little formula that we've worked out. It's because Jesus said we could do that. And when we say it, by the way, we should mean it. Amen? How many of you know Christians ought to stop praying frivolous prayers? Amen? That's why rote prayers are good for kids. And that's why you and I as adults and mature Christians need to learn how to pray and talk to God because we are supposed to be communicating with him on a one-on-one basis. How many heard me? Everybody say, where is Jesus right now? Now I'm going to answer you. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. By the way, if you don't know what that means, that means he's sitting in the position of power. Are you listening to me? The Bible says that he's there making intercession for you. And that we have access through him because he is the door. Amen? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said, isn't it? And he said, I am the door. Right? And he said, anybody that tries to come by any other door other than me is no better than a common criminal, a thief, and a robber. So when you talk to Jesus, go, or when you talk to God, go in the name of Jesus. And I want you to understand something else too. Jesus is coming back real soon. And scripture says, by the way, that this time he's coming back in great power and great glory. He's not coming back as a baby in a manger next time. He's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says that every knee on planet earth will bow. I want to do it before he makes me do it. Amen? In fact, I do it willingly. I recognize him as Lord of my life completely and freely. When Jesus comes back in great power and great glory, he's going to reign over his kingdom. The Bible says... Forever. Everybody say forever. Say it again. How many of you know he's not going to ask the opinion of the new world order on what he should do? He's not going to ask for the opinion of the United Nations. He's not going to ask for the opinion of the ACLU. He's not going to ask for the opinion of all of the the radical feminist and gay rights uh, groups either. He's not even going to ask Obama. 
He's going to rule his church. He's not even going to ask for the opinion of the World Council of Churches. How many heard me? God's word says Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. Everybody say that with me. Say a rod of iron. Meaning that he will be in absolute complete control. And he will need no one else's opinion. You know what? I found out a long time ago that Christians are real good at telling God what their opinion is. How do you know that, Pastor Ron? Because they're not, they're not bashful about telling me. And I'm his representative here in this congregation. Amen or oh me. The word of God says that the same power that Jesus operates in is being shared with the church today. In fact, he said you and I were supposed to be an occupying force until he returns. Well, Pastor Ron, why isn't the church occupying? Because we haven't learned how to come into agreement with God and then with one another. Many people in the church today are struggling for basic survival. I talk to people on a regular basis who are financially and physically and emotionally and, and spiritually bankrupt. They don't know what to do and where they're going to turn to next. How many of you know God never intended for his people to live like that? Well, what should we do? We must relearn how to release God's power in our behalf and I'm going to tell you this morning, church, it begins with knowing the power of two or the power of agreement. How many are listening to me this morning? In fact, the Bible is a book of twos, not multiple choice. How many like those multiple choice quizzes? There are always only two positions in the Bible. Yeah, that's true. How many of you know you're either saved or you're lost? How many of you know the Bible says you're either a wheat or a tear? Are you with me this morning? You're either a sheep or a goat. You're either in light or you're in darkness. You're either a member or a, 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 of the family of God and a citizen of heaven or you're a citizen of hell. You just haven't went there yet. Pastor Ron, that's strong. That's what scripture says. You're either on the narrow way or on the broad way. Somebody say amen. And let me tell you this. You need to be on the narrow way. Why? Because we know that that is the will of God. God has two wills for us. He has his sovereign, unchanging will. 
and his wish and desire for our lives, he will reveal to us if we will seek him. We must become a seeker of God. Right? Jesus also sent out the disciples two by two. Pastor, you're making that up. I am not. Read it for yourself. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, I love this passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. It says, two are better than one. Are you with me? Is it up behind me? Because they have a good reward for their labor. Right? For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who travels alone. Right? Why? Because when he falls, there will be nobody there to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they'll stay warm. But how can one person stay warm by themselves? The one may be overpowered by another, but two can withstand him. And a three-fold cord is not easily broken or quickly broken. Amen? Isn't that a good passage of Scripture in the Bible? You think that's important, Pastor Ron? Let me tell you this. God said... Two are always better than one. So when you're praying about something, find someone that you can get into agreement with and pray with them. And by the way, three is even better. Oh, what's that mean, Pastor Ron? That means that when members of a church are in agreement and they bring God into the equation, they become almost invincible are you with me now somebody say amen. amen scripture says one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight speaking about the forces of the enemy is this important how many believe it's important Look at somebody and say, he's going to really give us something profound. If you're taking notes, write this down. God's supernatural power operates within the power of agreement. How many heard me? Dominion over every problem in our lives begins with the power of agreement. We must first get into agreement with God, pray in the name of Jesus, get into agreement with one another, and allow the Holy Spirit to bring to pass the will of God in our lives. The power of agreement is the starting point. God told the disciples to go to the upper room and to await on the Holy Spirit. 
How many remember that? Tarry until he comes, right? Are you aware that God probably told that, or Jesus probably told that to over 500 disciples? According to church history. And only 120 of them went to the upper room. How many heard what I just said? And how many received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Everybody say the 120. In fact, as they went out preaching and leading others to Christ, they would come across others and they they would ask them, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? And they'd say, well, we haven't even heard that there is any such thing as the Holy Spirit. And then they say, well, we got something good for you. Somebody say amen. They preached the power of agreement. Two in agreement can do more than a thousand in discord. Somebody say amen. Joshua and Caleb proved it when they faced the giants. Paul and Silas proved it on their missionary journeys. Somebody say amen. They even threw them in jail, but they didn't stay there. It is Satan's grand design to divide the church. Why? Say it. He wants to rob us of our power. Somebody say amen. When we are divided, we lose the supernatural power of God and the power of agreement. We need that supernatural power because we are facing supernatural enemies who want to destroy us. Somebody say amen. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 it says, There are principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. And the weapons of our warfare are not supposed to be carnal. But mighty in God to the pulling down of these strongholds. Somebody say amen. You and I need all of God's power that we can receive to stand against these evil forces. Right? They're not flesh and blood. You can't fight them with physical weapons. They are spirit beings and they are highly organized and committed to your destruction. So that's why we need to do things God's way. In fact, Scripture says their assignment is to do this, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Are you listening to me today? Satan is the great divider. Divisions lead to destruction and death in churches. So he wants to keep us divided. He will divide and deceive and devour and destroy. Everybody say that with me. Say divide, deceive, devour, and destroy. That's quite a list, isn't it? 
Jesus said it was the job of the church to get the supernatural power of evil under control using a superior power, the power of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Mark chapter 16 verse 17 said these signs will be prevalent in the church. It says in the name of Jesus they will cast out devils and they will speak with new tongues. That means you don't need me to lay hands on you on a regular basis. You can pray for yourself. And then you come to church like Sherry did this morning and ask for the elders of the church to anoint and pray for. We need to begin to operate in the power that God said was available to us. The very first thing listed in the works of a believer is that we are to get rid of the dividing forces of the enemy. We, by coming into unity, one mind and one accord. We must first be covered by the blood of Jesus. Then we must get into agreement with God and then agreement with one another. Somebody say amen. And I want to tell you, without the blood covering, we are absolutely powerless to resist Satan or his demonic forces. You can't do it. Jesus said he gave us authority to bind and loose. Say that with me. Say bind. bind. Now say loose. So, you and I have the authority uh, when we are operating in the power of agreement with God and with one another to bind and loose. That's what it said. Somebody say amen. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. You need the church. You need the body of believers where God has assigned you. Why? Because scripture says no man is an island. And once again, that Jesus sent them out two by two. When Christians have their lives covered by the blood, when they are walking in agreement, the devil's in trouble. Did you hear me? How many would like to see him in trouble more often? Is there a strong man attacking your life this morning? Don't sit there and wring your hands. Get into agreement and fight back. How many heard what I just said? Why, Pastor Ron? Because God said you have all the power you need. It's available to you and any other saint who will get into agreement with God and with one another. Is this good preaching, deacons? All right. In Luke chapter 11, verses 21 and 22, Scripture says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides the spoils, or his spoils. 
Everybody say, that's the word of God. Jesus identifies a strong man or an evil spirit who is in control in this situation. Many, this has been taught, but it's been taught wrong. But then he says, someone stronger, meaning himself, Jesus Christ, takes the strong man's armor and then gives it to you and me. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, Jesus made a public spectacle of Satan and his forces, and he triumphed over them. Somebody say, praise God. Our enemy was stripped bare and defeated by our big brother. That's what that means. I remember one time talking with Pastor John Hagee. And he told us a story of a couple who went to visit him, who came to visit him at his office, and they had a real problem. Their 19-year-old son had been a high-ranking drug dealer in the city of San Antonio, Texas. But this young man had gotten saved because of their prayer of agreement, their faith, and they, they just knew and prayed and, and stood in faith for him and saw God save him. But he was in a hierarchy. And his bosses refused to let him leave the organization. They told him the only way out was in a pine box. This mom and dad were instructed to invite all of the bosses to dinner at their house and to tell them, in the name of Jesus, let our son go. They did so in a spirit of grace. And they let all five of them know that their son had a new master. Are you listening to me? This is a true story. All five got up from the table and laughed and mocked these godly parents. But within six months, all five were dead. And their son was free. To serve God. You see what the prayer of agreement will do? Oh, Pastor Ron, that's harsh. Let me tell you this. God's grace and mercy was at work first. They were given an opportunity. And they refused. The Bible says that it would be better for someone to have a millstone tied around his neck and him cast into the sea than to harm one of God's little ones. This was a, ch a new baby in Christ. Amen? And God took care of them. Are you listening to me? The power only belongs, that kind of power only belongs to Christians, of God, members of God's family who are in agreement. Again, symphono. 
is another one of the root words there. It's very similar to the one I gave you earlier. And it means, everybody say harmony. harmony. Say it again. Harmony. How many would like to go hear a symphony orchestra and every instrument playing its own tune? Hmm. Wouldn't sound very good, would it? Let me tell you this, there's only one conductor. The maestro himself, Jesus. And we have to come into agreement with him. There's no such thing as almost being in harmony. Everybody say, that's true. You're either in harmony or you're out of tune. God has revealed to me that that's one of the problems in the modern church today. We are not walking in harmony with God or with each other. God is looking for harmony. Turn and look at somebody and tell them that. Why, Pastor Ron? So that he can release his power in his church once again. Somebody say amen. Now look at them and say, only a unified church will have the blessings of God flowing in abundance. This is what scripture says. If you're here today and you have needs in your life, get in. Become a part of the solution. Get into harmony with God and with one another. Somebody say amen. I'm going to tell you this, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, and I believe that God uh, says this in Scripture. I'm just going to simplify it for you. Without agreement, we pray frivolous prayers. How many heard what I just said? God cannot honor, nor will He answer frivolous prayers. The psalmist said, Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for the brethren to dwell, to dwell together in unity. Somebody say, Praise God. For there, for there, the Lord will send his blessings. God is saying to us today, Get into harmony. And he will make a personal appearance here. Every time we come to church, if we come together in the spirit of unity, God will make a personal appearance. Why? Because he's already gave his word that he would. Somebody say amen. Now there are two ways any church can stick together. I also heard John say this, Hagee, when we were there one time. He said, uh, a church can be the first church of the frozen chosen. Or they can be a church where the fire of God is sent with all of the accompanying signs and wonders. I think I want to be the second. How about you? 
So the prayer for this church needs to be, Lord, send the fire and send it right now. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, I have delivered the message that you have given me to deliver today. And I pray, Lord, that every person under the sound of my voice would receive this message. Lord, for it is your word. And Lord, I pray that as we come together in the prayer of agreement and in agreement with you, that we would just come into that unity of purpose that you have for us. For Lord, we know that this is right. In your will for our lives. If you would stand together, please. With heads bowed and people not looking around. 